Coming to you from somewhere along the Ohio-West Virginia border, welcome to Nostalgia Highway, the movies you know from the guys you don't. We thank you so much for hitching a ride along with us today. I'm your host, the Mayor Matt Logston, and with me as always are my two esteemed co-hosts. I am the Lord Ketchum. And I'm Dave King of the Road. Okay, guys. So tonight, we are going to review The Burning from 1981 to finish out Summer Camp Slasher Month. Nice. This summer, if you're planning to go camping, don't. If you're looking forward to midnight swims, don't. Sneak on back to the campsite. Get some matches. Build us a hot fire. Don't be wrong. And if you're thinking about being with someone where no one can see you, don't. Because this summer, a legend of terror isn't just a campfire story anymore. They say he smashed his way through the bunk room door, just a mass of flames. Cried out, I will return. I will have my revenge. He lives on whatever he can catch. Right now, he's out there watching. Cropsy, a caretaker at Camp Blackfoot, is horribly burned in a prank gone wrong, pulled by some campers. Years later, after being released from the hospital, Cropsy goes to the new Camp Stonewater with a new batch of campers to dispatch. Ooh, boy. Can't wait. All right. On the review, guys. Oh, well. Well? Let's talk about the burning. Um, let's, um, spoilers, guys. Yep. We want to remind you that um, we're going to be talking about some shit. Spoilers <laughs> so ahead. Full spoiler spoilers ahead. And hedge clippers ahead. We may hedge clippers we may ahead. Close every detail. There will be major and minor spoilers discussed. All right. And that being said, I'll turn it over to you, man. Take it away, right. man. Did you guys know that this is the film that launched the careers of producers Harvey and Bob Weinstein? Well, I mean, I'd say... They've kind of hit the skids here recently. Yeah. Uh, I did not know that. <laughs> wild stuff. <laughs> Uh, I guess their mother, Miriam Weinstein, she was a uh, pre-production assistant on the film. Yeah. But uh, I, this this is one of the best Friday the 13th, Killer in the Woods uh, knockoffs, I think. You know, it came out the year after. Uh, actually came out about a week after Friday the 13th Part 2. Yeah. Um, it's better than The Prowler in that Ooh, aspect. Ooh, man, huh? I don't know. I like uh, the Prowler. As a campground slasher, I mean... Well, that's not a campground slasher, but exactly. it's a slasher, but... I'm just giving it on that basis. Good. I got you. You're okay. right. I don't know. I like both of those. I like I'm just both. buttoning in. Okay. That's all right. Little Prowler fan over here. Hey, you're a king. You you do what you want. But uh, <laughs> this was, this is the concept of the story was uh, based off a campfire story that was told at summer camps around New Jersey and upstate New York through the 60s and 70s. And uh, supposedly it's still told today, you know, as like a, a cautionary tale to campers, I guess. And uh, it was the basis for the documentary Cropsy from 2009. And, uh, but this movie is not referenced in that documentary. Right. Uh, have either of you caught that? I haven't watched oh, it. I've tried to watch it. I am too. The Burning. Which is supposed to be about him. Yeah, I, I started Not the burning, I'm sorry. We're talking about the burning. I'm talking about Madman. Oh, yeah, with Madman Mars. Yeah, dude, I yeah. love that movie, too. Um, but uh, I I did start that documentary, Cropsy. I, I couldn't get into it. It was just, I don't know. It, it is kind of hard to watch. Yeah, it, because it's, it's not... highly. Yeah, and it's regarded well, but it has nothing to do with this, and I don't know, maybe I went in with the right, wrong mindset. Yeah. Maybe I need to try. I'm with you there. No, it's and and you have better patience for slow burn stuff. So, well, I don't know. Maybe I might try to go with it uh, with a more open mind this time now. Mm -hmm. But uh, we we open up with uh, the good old fashioned prank gone wrong cliche. Of course. uh, (laughs) And uh, how could this go wrong? Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, the gasoline can. Oh my god. Right. Well, my well, God. Add some fuel to the fire. Literally. Yeah, but I mean, that's his sleeping quarters. Yeah, it's he's the caretaker, right? Yeah, yeah I, I, I'll allow I mean, that. He's right. not going to sleep with the gasoline can no, next to right his next blanket. To his well, and I also don't think that really wicked-looking skull is going to instantly like combust on his bed. Well, and here's the thing: <laughs> he could have swiped it 
away from him. Well, he, he came out of a, a stupor of being in he sleep. He was awake already. He was awake. But, I mean, he had... All that I, shit on Cropsy, it's on him. I mean, yeah, the kids, they shouldn't have put the skull in there It's not on Cropsy. He's it the is. victim. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough sell, man. All right, okay. But a lot the, of... The, I mean, everything he did was fucking wrong. I mean... Okay, he's a victim of the uh, the first kids at camp. But this new batch that we get in that he comes after has nothing to do with the uh, initial... Yes, his revenge is a little misguided. Yeah. I guess. So Cropsy's is. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but the shot of Cropsy's legs kicking around in the fire, that was actually Tom Savini who did the special yeah, effects okay. on this movie. He did that scene. He actually did a couple of different scenes. But uh, He made earn his money back then. Yeah. But uh, did you know that uh, you probably notice whenever we get the POV shot from what we you know find out as Cropsy, it's kind of around the edges of the screen. It's kind of blurred or whatever, smudgy. Yeah, yeah that's a good word. Uh, that was actually Vaseline. That yeah. They just smeared around the edge of the lens to kind of give. Uh, I don't know. I thought that was a really cool and effective, uh, real works. simple way to give an interesting POV on that. Yeah. I like that. Especially after you get the reveal and you see what his face looks like. Yeah, like, yeah I get that. Yeah. Go I ahead, like lube that. the space. Lube the space. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But like uh, you kind of talked about there we, for brief with the, uh, the misguided revenge here. Okay, so he gets released from the hospital after, what, five years? Yeah. yeah and uh, he basically immediately goes out and gets some random hooker and just kills her with a pair of scissors. Hey man, why yeah. do that? That was I, weird to me. That scene, it seemed like uh, this is the chick that runs the bed and breakfast, uh, you know, dirt <laughs> motel that he's staying at, and she's you know just showing him his room. And next thing you know, well, she's a prostitute. Right. I didn't quite, you know, it, it didn't quite uh, set well with me because she does seem like she's running the joint, and then you know, next thing she's you know trying to, you know, well, hurry up, buddy, let's you know get this over right. with, and. Oh, oh, I misguided uh, you know, my impression <laughs> well, of you. It feels like a scene that they didn't quite understand where Cropsy was going. They just wanted you know, to they kill. Just, yeah, they just wanted and to quit kill, kill stuff, you know, and I, I don't Set know. the tone. Yeah, it doesn't really Yeah, follow, it's, yeah, know. I think it's a little weird, but also. I like, I like the beginning of when, um. I, I like the um, the effects of the burns and stuff on his mm-hmm. arm. Oh, when he grabs the, the orderly, the yeah, everything. yeah, that's good. You know, I heard that they that some people thought that that was Lawrence Fishburne, the the, the black, black orderly. Yeah, like oh no, there's yeah. no way. You no, it's not him. even freaking close, dude. Yeah, this guy's way like, too like skinnier in the face. Well, Lawrence Fishburne was fucking skinny. Well, oh, yeah, so, but I mean, in, in Apocalypse Now, that was like seventies. Uh, um, yeah. He was he was in that. He had to, he was really young, but um, okay. yeah, he's he's toothpicking that. But I don't know why people think that that was Lawrence Fishburne, but it definitely wasn't. Yeah, that never. Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne's never talked that smooth a jive in any movies he's done. <laughs> in my opinion, I'm just saying, like that guy. Was Man, smooth. you've never seen King of New York, then, dude? Because he's is he slick? Oh yeah, dude. Okay, yeah. okay, slick and jive and everything, man. Yeah. Oh man, King of New York King from New when? York. What year? Uh ninety ish one. That's 90, good enough. It's Christopher Walken. Really? He's a drug king. Okay, king. okay. I remember the yeah. box art. I just never uh, watched it. It's got it. um, Wesley Snipes is in it. Um, All right. David, you David Caruso. Yeah, right. mm. I bet um, you the next I time we talk, I'm checking that out. Check yeah. it out. King of New I'm York. definitely. Nice. Oh, yeah. It's good. it's good shit. All right. But with this kill, with this hooker that's out of nowhere, basically, uh, she gets pushed through the glass window, and uh, for you Dario Argento fans, I'm wondering if this is like an homage to him because that's something that he puts in all of his movies. There is a there is a scene or a death going through breaking glass, mm-hmm. and I'm was I'm wondering if because I me, as soon as I saw that I was like mm, Argento, and I just didn't know if maybe you guys is the lighting that. red and blue when she goes through the glass. No. Uh, you know, honestly, I think there might be a red hue coming from the room. He may be right about that. I'm not. That I can't familiar. remember. I didn't pick. I just. I just focused on the glass being shoved through the glass in slow motion. I'm like, man, that's Argento. Yeah, Argento right does all that. But I'm just making fun I didn't of the pick fact that it, Argento maybe. uses red and blue lighting to excess. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and that's one time. reason I can't buy into it, the reality of what he's trying to sell me. Yeah. But okay, yeah, I can appreciate that. 
But did you know to the, uh, according to the documentary on the DVD that was called Blood and Fire Memories uh, with Tom Savini, uh, there was, I guess, a fair amount of creative differences between the producers and the uh, writer-director, Tony Malum. And uh, they actually talked to Tom Savini about writing and directing a new uh, ending for the movie. Oh, really? Obviously it didn't happen, but huh. I guess there was a, some discord there between... Uh, I knew that like, uh, locations the... were a problem for the ending and stuff. They were trying yeah, they they to, to be shot like in a cave. In caves, and, and they uh, had to make an adjustment, and they found this copper mine, right. which is what we got in our in the which actual plays ending. Good. Yeah, it works well. Yeah. works well. But, uh, but yeah, you're right about that. We get a young Jason Alexander in this, which is like really kind of cool because... You know, we get yeah. young many actors because he had hair. Yeah. yeah, he had hair. He actually yeah. had hair, and you know, yeah, this was the uh, the film debut of him, Fisher Stevens, who uh, he was in the Short Circuit movies, yeah. and uh, oh my gosh, he was in the Super Mario Brothers movie. He's been in countless things, and Holly Hunter, who yeah. really was a bit part. I mean, did she even have any speaking I don't think lines? She had any speaking lines? Like, and if I, she did, I it think was she just said she was like a glorified extra. She More or less, pretty well. So, yeah, you know. yeah. She was saying, I think she said it was like a thousand dollars a week or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. not bad. Um, the, and it also has um, Brian Backer. He was in um, um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh yeah, he was Rat. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was also in. Uh, he was uh, Arnie in uh, Police Academy Four. He was oh, one yeah, of that's when right. he was in the yeah. the scene with. Uh, uh, High Tower with David yeah. Spade with a yummy, 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 yeah. yummy. Now you're talking about <laughs> Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, that's right. That is him. Yep. But uh, yeah, going back to Jason Alexander though, he he he's kind of the he's like the main comic relief in this, and that suits him perfect. He, he's no George Costanza, but he's very nah. passable in this. He stands out. He does. I I, in I a good think way. You, I think you could make an argument that he might be the best. Actor, I yeah, agree in with this that. movie. Yeah, oh, I right. agree. But man, when I watched it, I I saw Costanza. I right, mean, it's tough. It's sure it, he's so typecasted with that. Right, yeah, so well, and he's doing the comedy relief and everything, yeah. and you can just tell, like, man, like, you, you, it makes you wonder, like, was this guy stand-up comic? You know, oh, before yeah. you know, and I, I yeah, don't know he if was. he did. He was yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, he did stand-up I, comedy. Okay. Yeah. I don't know a whole lot about him, you know, outside of just the main I'm stuff. I'm pretty sure. It's good to see him play a more immature style, though. Yeah. Which he does in this, and I like yeah. that. He never really delved into it later on in his career, mm-hmm. you know. I think this is, like, what, this is only a horror movie, mm-hmm. actually. Might be. He's probably ashamed of it. <laughs> I don't know. Why would he be ashamed yeah. of it? He shouldn't be. This is a classic, dude. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've never... This is the first time I got to see this movie. Actually. No, Kevin That's Bacon's right. ashamed yeah, of it. You guys turned the shit on to me. And yeah. Thank yeah. you for it. It's, no, it's really awesome. good. No, man. It's 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 a good one, man. It really is. And uh, it it's, like I said, I feel like it's one of the best knockoffs there is, you yeah. know, that we got from the early 80s of Friday the 13th. It clearly riffs on Friday the 13th. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely it does. And I would say after or, this. Or yeah. did Friday the 13th riff off of this? In the later sequels, Ooh. I would agree. Especially Part Four. Yeah, yeah. The scene with Tiger, who, which by the way, what kind of a freaking name is that? I'm hoping that's like a nickname, but that's all she's credited as. It's not credited as a nickname, and she has a real name. But she's trying to find the ball when they're playing softball, mm-hmm. and Cropsy's lurking, and uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's pretty tense because you know there's like a bunch of people like right there on the other side of this you know little wooded area, right. and. I mean, it kind of shows you that Cropsy, he, he ain't playing around. Yeah. You know, like, he doesn't care where he's at, what's going on, the time of day. Like, he's there to kill. Yeah. And I I appreciate that. Most of his kills are during the day, actually. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like well, it. even most of the night shots were day for night shots, so technically they were all in the day. Oh, right on. Right. I think, I think uh, after they go off on the rafting trip, I think the only true night shot was the campfire scene. Mm-hmm. Everything else was day for night. Which mistaken. makes it hard for me to accept that we don't get to see his face until way late in the movie. 
Well, he asked director uh, Tony Malum wanted to show him more, but he decided to kind of draw back on it, and with the less is more, and yeah. I, I like that's, that. That's what makes it. Yeah, that's what makes horror. I like, I like it. it. I like that suspense. That oh, can't, I can't wait to see. You know what? Yeah. What does he look like? Especially after the way the, the orderly oh, built yeah. up. You know, in the hospital. I wanted to, to see him right album. then. I'm yeah. like, yeah, we're gonna see him. Right. Yep. Nope. Get an arm. That's all you get. <laughs> but no, I, I, I. I I agree with the director on drawing it back. I think yeah. that was a smart move. But uh, he uh, he was also, the director was the uh, one that chose the garden shears as Cropsey's weapon of choice. And uh, wanted to know. Thumbs up, thumb down. Thumbs I mean, down for an effective weapon for you guys. I'm at like this. I'm, I'm like neutral with it. It's okay. It's not okay. the most effective killing weapon. I mean, can't do a machete. Because, you know, Friday 13th doing that shit and everything. I mean, at the time when this came out, Friday 13th Part 2 was coming out. Yeah. You already had one. Jason wasn't in that one, obviously. Right. But you know, a machete so was used. Machete was used at the end. Right. Eh, I don't know. They could have come up with something a little bit better. I'm below the line on believability with that as a weapon. So you're more on the thumbs down side? Yeah, I gotta okay. be. Just... Just a little bit. I mean, they did, they did it fine, but yeah, it's not. I feel it's a little impractical. I'm oh, a yeah. little like you're just above. You're just below middle. You're in the middle. I think I'm just above because you do get some creative. Yeah, there is things that are done with this weapon in the movie, and so. But yeah, as far as the believability, you're very limited on what you can do with it. Right. But. For what they chose, what hey. is it? They made it work, right? Know? I mean, I, I'm I was satisfied with most of the kills. It's the in best this movie. horror it's movie so. with a gardening shears as a main I'll say that, te- yeah, tool. Sure. It's like when British Barber Beefcake came out to the ring. You knew he wasn't <laughs> going to use those edge clippers on somebody's head. Right. He always had a pair of scissors in his little gym bag, but right. That's <laughs> yeah. It's like that. Barber Beefcake. Oh yeah. <laughs> So our camp misfit, we already talked about him a little bit. His play is Alfred, played by uh, Brian Backer. Uh, he's been getting bullied, I guess, and he just basically decides to go full perv and go snooping on Sally in the shower. Yeah. I mean, I didn't... And he does this shit throughout the whole movie. Yes. You know? So I don't, I don't think... Mm. It, I don't know. I got some weird vibes from him. Him, and, you, him and Glazer, you know, when they... When they bash and cut, you know, I don't know. There, there's an infatuation there between the Glazer and Sally and Alfred character, and it's kind of like, what is Alfred's infatuation with him? Because he, right. like you said, he follows them around, like as I mean, individuals and Glazer. together. Yeah, and it's weird. Him like he's, I don't know. Or is it just because it's? Is know. it his? Weird. Is he suspicious that Glazer is a culprit? I don't think he. Well, no, no, no. I don't. I don't think that at all. Okay. I don't know. I'm just He's throwing just out an ideas. Asshole. I didn't think no, that yeah. hard into it. I didn't either. I, I do feel like maybe they tried to put the little seed in our heads that maybe Alfred right. might be. Maybe that's you know, it's a red herring a little bit. Mm. But dude, I mean, watch out for him in the future. I mean, right? <laughs> I, I, he's they made a sequel. Yeah, he might. He <laughs> might have been the one to, to take the shears. Right. You know. I don't mm. know. I, yeah. I never really. This was easily set up for a sequel too, but. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm glad they're, they're, they didn't. Touch I leave it alone. Yeah. I, I'm glad they did. I'm yeah, because I, I don't I mean, know. Friday Thirteenth Order. Oh, so, yeah, you know, that's oh, a successful yeah. franchise you're talking about. I get though. you, but you know, this is a this is successful too. You know, it's yeah. a highly sought after tape and yeah, uh, movies. Isn't the VHS of this like? Super rare and it's, expensive. It's expensive. I like, know that much. You got uh, numbers you know, roughly on it. Anywhere from fifty to hundred bucks. I mean, mm. I've seen it on eBay. You know, there's 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 one I think for like ninety bucks. Wow. And there's one that's kind of in, in beat up shape. The boxes. It's like thirty forty dollars. You know, yeah. opening bid. You know, so wow. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Yeah, so if you ever find a right. tape of that, man, snatch it up, snatch it up. <laughs> so we get some teen smoking that's in the uh, the girls' cabin, and uh, obviously, no way that flies with today's no, uh, social not. climate. But the uh, tiger, who was played by Shelley Bruce, uh, 
she was the one that was very much she was the one smoking yeah. and she looks very young she was actually 15 when they filmed this oh yeah yeah eh. so legit teen smoking in this movie it reminded me of the past you know oh yeah I mean, very nostalgic that's just that's the way it was that's just how it was done back then I was yeah. telling my wife today that uh, it's one of those things you don't think about when you go in a restaurant anymore but yeah. when the waitress or waiter asks you smoking or non-smoking yeah that's not a thing anymore you can't yeah you never right. you never really used to smoke in the mall and stuff I did too when the dirt dog house was there and oh wow yeah that was a long time ago I walked around uh, rinky dinks Oh yeah, smoking a cigarette. Yeah, back really? In the day. Yeah, Rinky oh, Dinks yeah. used to be, you know. Okay. All the scumbags. It was before Walmart, you know. Okay, I understand. <laughs> so it's like that. If Walmart had a smoking policy, that's Rinky Dinks back in the day. Speaking of the smoking, I guess going back to Stranger Things season three, I guess there was quite an uproar oh, about yeah. all the smoking and that. I knew that was going to happen eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, been going on though since freaking first episode. So right, I don't, I don't know. know. Pick and choose Leave your battles. Leave it alone, people. Pick and choose your battles. That's, that's and how it was back in the day. Shit. Yeah. They're just trying to portray the air. Yep. Leave them alone. So, Glazer, who is our, you know, perfect New York bully type, all brawn, no brain, just this dude's mm-hmm. a meathead. And he, kind, he really comes off as kind of desperate in a way. There's like a, like yeah. when he's trying to hit on the chicks, he goes and swims out to the, to the, the floating dock with all the girls. He's yeah. like, hey, ladies. Hey, pretty girl. <laughs> you know? I'm just like, man, you're a Every freak. movie's got to have one. He takes yeah, one in the ass for it, too. Yeah, he does with the pellet gun. <laughs> yep. Good shot by Fisher Stevens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. A.K.A. Woodstock. Right on. <clears throat> I thought they were going to run after that. Yeah, they really kind of stuck around. <laughs> they really stuck around. They uh, relished the moment. They showed their asses. They sure did. Literally. <laughs> but, wait, what's that? Did somebody say three-day canoeing trip at Devil's Creek? Yeah. Cue the bluegrass music! <laughs> oh, wow, that's 80s. It's the 80s. I mean, <laughs> yep. that's all you could say, you know? <laughs> and then the whole time they're, like, trying to, they're, like, splashing water in each other's canoes. I'm like, man, you can't do that for a real long time, mm-hmm. you know, because floating and stuff. I've seen Titanic. Right. I know how that ends. (laughs) But they they go on this, you know, they take a group of the the kids, they go on this. Seems like fun, man. Yeah, they go on this canoeing trip and they're going to go camping and everything. And uh, they get settled in on the first night. We finally get our Cropsy campfire tale told by the uh, camp leader, I guess you could say Todd. There was a camp not far from here, just across the lake. It was called Camp Blackfoot. No one goes there anymore. Everything burnt down. There's nothing left except the ruins. Now this camp had a caretaker, a really evil bastard. And his name was Cropsy. Everyone hated Cropsy. For a start, he was a drunk. Two bottles of whiskey a day, no problem, like Most of the time, he's somewhere out in space. But if he caught you, look out. Because Cropsy could strip the paint off the walls just by breathing on them. (laughs) Now, this Cropsy was a sadist. I mean, he got real pleasure out of hurting people, scaring them. And he had these garden shears, you know? The kind with long, thin blades. He carried them all the time, wherever he went. And he had this kind of demonic way of looking at you. One time, this Cropsy really went after this kid from Brooklyn. Followed him around night and day. He made this kid's life living hell. But this time he chose the wrong guy. Because the kid and some of his buddies had planned a little prank that would scare the living shit out of Cropsy. Only problem was, the gag went wrong. The next thing anyone knows, Cropsy's trapped alive and burning in his bunk. They try to get him out, but the fire's so fierce they can't reach him. All they can do is stand outside and listen to him cry out in agony. They say he smashed his way through the bunk room door, just a mass of flames. And as he screamed out, burned alive, he 
cried out, I will return! I will have my revenge! They never found his body. He survived. He lives on whatever he can catch. Eats them raw, alive, no longer human. Right now, he's out there, watching, waiting. Don't look. He'll see you. Don't move. Pretty awesome. Yeah, it's Nicely a good story, done. man. You know, it's pretty I kind of awesome. want to tell that story actually to my kids. Yeah, you know, next time I'm around a campfire, right? Then I think I think I might do it. But uh, I don't want to talk about campfires again for a while after this experience. Yeah, recently. that's true. But, you know, hey man, take a nice family out into a park. You know, maybe that's okay. <laughs> but go hunting in the it's middle good. of nowhere like we did. Yeah, nah. <laughs> holiday and please. Away. <laughs> you know, in retrospect, I mean, yeah, it was a bad idea to do it, but, you know, we have a good story now. And we're it's, here. It's a good time. Yeah. yeah. No worse for wear. Yeah. All right, then. I'm glad we're back. Maybe a couple more extra gray hairs or something, you know, but <laughs> yeah, right. But, uh, so we already talked about that this came out about a week after Friday the 13th Part 2, but this campfire scene and Friday the 13th Part 2's campfire scene, I mean, it's pretty much basically the same story, the same delivery, the same outcome. More or less. Tom Is it Sabini, not? You know, mm-hmm. He had ties to Friday the 13th. Part 1, at least. Well, he actually he turned been. he turned down the work in Part 2 to yeah. do this movie. Yeah. Because he didn't agree with them using the, yeah, the he's, son he, as the killer. Yeah, because he said he was it's dead. stupid. It's a dream. Because yeah. the ending was a dream. Yeah. Yep. That's where my parents stand on this. Actually, with Friday Thirteenth, they think that everything everything else is stupid and the original yeah. is what it is, and that's where it should have ended and shit. And I mean, that's got to be like know. the 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 tip top of the Mount Everest of just fucked up storylines, doesn't it? Uh, I mean, it's pretty jacked up. Halloween's getting there, dude. Uh, Halloween is fucking there. Dude. Okay. Well, no, they've got different tangents. Friday the 13th oh, tried to say what the same one and retconned and tried to plug in gaps and you know what I mean. I, it, it's a pretty jacked up timeline if you really think about it. <sighs> yeah. I still love the movies. Don't get me wrong. This is a different conversation for a different is. day, boys. I <laughs> understand. But yeah. a, we could go into that for days. Well, but these <laughs> movies, they're so closely related. And You're the, right. You know, the fact that you know, the sequel to that and this came out like within a week of each other. This movie was made because of those two movies. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Like I said, we get a few day for night shots and the skinny dipping scene with Eddie, which uh, was played by Ned Eisenberg, who has numerous appearances on the various Law and Order uh, shows. And Karen is an example of this. And for me, I kind of felt like it was a little distracting because you can clearly tell in certain moments during their you know, exchange before they go into, you know, the lake or the river, whatever it is, it, you can tell, like, this isn't daytime. You can I, you can see that that's clearly shadow and that's sunlight and that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For me, at least, it's something I picked up on. I don't know if you guys it, felt the same I way. I thought it was like a dusk kind of scene. Okay, fair mm-hmm. enough. Yeah, so I get that. I didn't really think about it too much, to be honest. And, I'll, and I know that... I was and, too busy staring at a... Karen's, Karen's uh, frontal, yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Region, it's good stuff. <laughs> 80s. But no, but I will say this wasn't the only day for night shot. But this was the one that I don't know. This was the one I felt like it really was like, yeah, this is definitely day for night, and it kind of stuck out like a sore thumb, I think, a little bit for me. But nitpicking, it really is. I know yeah. that. But they pulled me. Going back to the uh, blood and uh, fire memories documentary. This was written before Friday the 13th in 1980. I mean, I can see that. It just didn't get greenlit, like you said, King, because of Friday the 13th. They're like, oh, yes, 
crank it out. Let's make let's make this movie, you know. But uh, our lead female uh, camp counselor is Michelle, played by Leah Ayers, who is most, at least I know her, the only other thing I know her from is being Janice, who is the reporter love interest of Jean-Claude Van Damme in Bloodsport. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, right on. Okay. I remember that. I, okay. Yeah, I didn't oh, yeah, did you not ca- yeah, yeah, connect the dots, man? Yeah that's, yeah, that's her. Um, she is like really quick to condemn anybody that's done any inkling of wrongdoing, and she like is all about harshly judging them, like right <laughs> now. Very judgmental, I yeah. thought. You gotta have this that one stickler camp counselor, you know. It was she was almost kind of annoying. She wasn't Heather Donahue, you know, from Blair Witch annoying, but she was a little annoying. Yeah. When she swam up on the raft and she what happens, I was kinda like, Good. <laughs> That's just me, though. I don't know. I mean, I hear you. Did, did I didn't you know. Think... I did not. No, she didn't really bother me that much, actually. Okay. I mean, yeah, she's a little. But I mean, these kind of movies, you know, you're you expect the asshole. Yeah, you got your yeah, stereotypes. Yeah, this movie's riddled with it. Oh yeah, so. it's it's got all the boxes checked yeah. in that regard. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And and I love how Todd, like, okay, we the canoes have been mysteriously let go and they're not there anymore uh, overnight apparently and Todd's telling everybody like oh we gotta go search for the canoes and then like everybody's like walking off and then we cut to <laughs> Todd sitting on his ass skipping, skipping rocks I don't know what to do with Michelle maybe we'll build a raft right and I'm just like <laughs> right. this guy you know? <laughs> he's got it figured out. I mean, he's got the kids working for him. It's great. You know, <laughs> if I was a camp counselor, man, that's how I'd rock it. I would. I'd be sitting on my ass all the time, be like, "Kids, Make go do raft. something here. Go do something here." You know, right? Let's go. Get away from me, kids. You bother me. I try to do this as a parent, but later. it's never <laughs> effective. They always come back. Oh yeah, it never <laughs> fails. I'm trying to get laid here. Get the fuck out of here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Okay, so it's not quite a sleepaway camp level of creepiness that we got from Camp Parowak, but the males here at Camp Stonewater are creepy in their own right and highly aggressive with their female counterparts. Yeah. Eddie, they definitely want Glazer. Some. I mean, they are just hey, man. unrelenting. That's what it was about. You know, back in these slasher movies, man. I know, it's but it learning. seems it's, it's like I said, it's not sleepaway camp level, but it's definitely like, man, got chill out, dude. Would you say it's like Friday thirteenth level, you know, like the first one? But the thing was I don't really recall any male characters that were really being too pushy about trying to get laid. I hear you, yeah. Like Glazer's basically <laughs> I mean, he's just blah, blah. You know, all over that Sally chick, and, and the same the thing with guy, Eddie, yeah, with Karen. Eddie, yeah. he, he almost, I thought he, that was going to be a raping or something. Yeah, like I mean, he grabbed know. a hold of her. He's like, well, what'd you come out here for then? <clears throat> yeah. And he's like, get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> you know. That, was he supposed to, was he like the counselor? Or he, like, I think he was one of the other counselors. I couldn't, I, I didn't really quite catch on to that. I, I think I, he, I, he wasn't, because if. Yeah, I think he was a counselor like Todd and Michelle. Okay, all right. That's okay. what I took away. He wasn't a camper. Okay. It's unfair for us to judge because uh, we weren't that age in 1981 or 1980 or whenever right. they, you know came about this. Yeah, but that's just something I noticed. Like, man, guys, just just chill. Just <laughs> relax, man. We weren't as aggressive. Hormones, man. I wasn't. Well, yeah. We Eighteens. Well, no, I wasn't. No. So they make this makeshift raft, which, by the way, there's no way in hell I'm getting on this thing. I don't know. I would. I would. Uh, well, yeah. I, I could see where you would be in the Boy Scout, but, like, I love Woodstock's. <laughs> you're like, this isn't even a paddle? Like, what do you say? This is like a egg beater or egg something? Beater, yeah, <laughs> yeah he's kind of not wrong. They, I mean. they had a couple paddles, though, for the trip. It's not that bad, you know? Yeah. Mm. But, they were pretty primitive. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen better stuff on Naked and Afraid. <laughs> But they go down river <laughs> to go search for these missing canoes, and they come up upon one. And great scene. In my opinion, this is one of the best scenes in horror, especially slasher horror. Yeah, 
the way the tension is building up as they're getting closer and the, the, to the canoe and they're all excited and you kind of get the ominous music and they get closer and closer and closer and then bam, you're just hit with it. And it is on, man. Mm. I mean, just bru- on your ass. brutality, man. Yeah. Just fingers cut off, slashed across the head, in the throat. I mean, just relentless. He's laying it on thick. He yeah. is. He was making... He was wasting no time, man. Right. But uh, actually, the director was Cropsey in this scene. He did. Oh, the, really? He did. Well, he did the popping up out of the canoe, and he had a certain way he wanted the shears held. And I guess certain actors they had a they didn't hold it the way he liked it. <laughs> so he went and did that with that. If you think about it, it's kind of an, a weird angle to hold it coming up. I guess you could say. And uh, you kind of get what that looks like on the original cover art too, but right. but yeah, th- in my opinion, just an epic, epic scene, one of the best in horror history, and just awesome effects work from the yeah. legend Tom yeah. Savini. Yeah, mm-hmm. the throat and the uh, the the cutting of the fingers. That yeah, was badass. Actually. Yeah, yeah, Woodstock's death. That yep. was badass. The shots you're talking about, where he raises the shears in the air, yeah, and you get that you know looking up view at him. That's a one-and-done thing, and they did it, I don't know, at least three times. And I felt like that it should have only been a one-and-done thing. I hear you. I see That's a saying. cool shot. Yeah, oh yeah, uh, absolutely. But it's it a one-and-done shot, and they used it to excess where it like, eh. You feel like they went to the well a little too yep. many times? That's where I'm at with it. I hear you. <laughs> but... Uh, Pretty much that scene right there uh, was what got this on. It was actually one of the very first movies to land on the uh, video nasties list. And this, really? the raft scene is basically the reason why. Really? Yep. Huh. Yep. I mean, it, it it's awesome and bloody and creative and shit, but yeah. I don't know. I've seen a lot nastier shit. Sure. Should be on that list. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing about the, a lot of the video nasties. I mean, the, the people that were condemning these movies were making judgments off looking of the cover, and you know, and then you go back and see like, oh, this is video nasty. You go watch it, like, why? Right. There's literally right. nothing in this. You know. Hmm. Yeah, it was a that was a witch hunt. I I, I kind of did a little personal research on that, watched some documentaries, and did some reading on it. It's it's actually quite interesting, but uh, it's also really ridiculous. But the links that they went. Oh, yeah. You know. It's ridiculous. But, yeah. And there's actually some pretty good documentaries about the video nasties on uh, Shudder, if you're a subscriber. I saw those. Yeah, those are... Uh, I recommend watching those. Absolutely. So, help me understand better Glazer's death scene. Which, don't get me wrong, I love it. Oh, I think it's sure. great. I love, I love the way they shoot it. But, how does he miss... I'm guessing Cropsey was laying next to Sally... And then he pops up. Uh, I mean, I take it as he was just behind a tree or something, you know. Okay. I mean, he's because it's playing off the angles because it's very dark. Yeah. But I love that it's kind of like a quasi vertigo esque shot of Glazer going backwards towards a tree. They did that where he actually stood on uh, two pieces of wood, and there were uh, grips that were off screen that carried him back. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's very and I love that you got the shears through the throat, which is kind of the mo for Cropsey, and he gets pinned to the tree briefly. Yeah. Kind of you know mm-hmm. Halloween, Michael yes. Myers esque style, yeah. you know, and then but he doesn't end up staying. Uh, Really, really good scene, and since he's the he's supposed to be the jerk, jock of the group, that was a satisfying death. I thought. Did you see like? Did you guys catch this when Alfred is peeking behind the trees? Yeah, yeah, because he's snooping. Yeah, so it looks like the very first shot of when Cropsey's got Alfred or um, Glazer, Alfred is smiling a little bit, like. When he's doing the the pushback yeah. to you know to the tree and shit, I thought I he was smiling. I thought mm. he was like, "Oh my god, okay, this is." I thought I didn't catch. I have to rewatch. Well, creepy didn't... man. That's what I'm saying. Alfred's a fucking creep in this movie. Yeah, he um, is. He's an oddball for no. That's that's no doubt. I'll have to go back and look <laughs> Check at that. that out. I'll rewatch the, it. Now the other scene, the other cut shots to him. You know, he was like in panic, shock, and everything right. like that. But watch the very first one. He's kind of smiling and everything. You know, hmm. I'll, he's a little, I'll he's watch. A psycho. I'll watch for that. <laughs> But, uh, so he takes off, 
you know, Todd shows up on scene, he gets injured, and Alfred takes a walk, takes off, and uh, he goes to this dilapidated foundation, and he's creeping around. Which is badass. It's it awesome. Like a, like a labyrinth or something, you know? Almost like, yeah, maze style. It, yeah, and that's the thing, because, like, here's the thing. How big is this structure, really? I don't know. Really? But, but they made it seem sweet. massive by the way, the way it was cut and edited and how much Alfred's, like, shuffling around the place. And I, I kind of felt yeah. like they... Uh, you want to talk about going to the well? I felt yeah. like they made that a little too much. Sure, but they were just trying to sell, you know, the sheer size of it, and you know, the um, they did lost in it, you know. Yeah, right? no, they definitely um, did. But I agree with you. I love great. that. That's it's such a cool location. It. That's a great location. Yeah, and that was that was a what luck. Yeah, know? that was a happy accident. It was a, a copper mine uh, because the original ending uh, we kind of talked about earlier caves was uh, supposed stuff, to be in caves. Yeah. And uh, I guess they surveyed some caves, and they just surveyed one the day before. Yeah, Savini and it was collapsed. There and everything. Yeah, and they collapsed. So they were like, "Well, no caves." Yeah. And then right. they came across this copper mine, and they decided to make this our you know finale yeah. scene. And I think it works. I think it does a good job. It I makes would me wonder. Love to find that place. It makes me kind of wonder why is there are a, a mine or mine shaft out here in the middle of the woods, but. I don't know. Hey, it's the '80s. Yeah, right. you just go with it. Because I'd love it, to go visit that location. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, because this was actually filmed. It was up in you know New York, New Jersey. Yeah. It was upstate. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they made it feel like the structure was gigantic, and Cropsey uh, ends up getting a hold of Alfred, and uh, he gags him, and he pins him to a wall with the shears on one arm. On though. one arm. Yeah. I, but I mean, that's enough to keep him there. Yeah, I would think that you know, with gravity being you know how gravity works, I, I it think, would your your arm would start sinking into. I don't know that he while, was man. elevated though. I think he was. I, I thought he was. I don't know. I just took him as like, you stay right there and shut up. I'm gonna go deal with this guy, and I'll come back to what you. I thought of you know is when you know somebody's like pinned, you know, and stuff like that, you know, right? Especially like in the hands. Right here, if it's not done properly, you know, yeah, after a while, it'll just rip stri- out, yeah. tear and shit and everything. Right. And I thought that was what I thought that would have been a really cool shot if you know they showed the shears cut into yeah, like you know him just sinking down lower into the Going into, into the, the, the shears and stuff. Man, I that hear you. Sweet, dude. I, I never took it as him being elevated. I just took him as like he was just pinned to the wall, stay there, and he's kind of trapped. And I thought that was really cool. That was one of the unique things that you were able to do with garden shears in this, and I like that. Wouldn't you be able to get out though? <laughs> I don't know. What you have did, another arm. I, I don't. That's what I was gonna say. What did he do with it? Did he bind his other hand? I, I we I never can't remember. F- we don't. I don't think we get that. I can't remember. But I don't know. It's a good visual. Yeah. I like it. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, the uh, and the I guess another reason why they stopped going to the caves because bats were an issue in addition oh, yeah. to the one uh, uh, collapsing. But hmm. uh, yeah, I guess that would be an issue. Todd's in there, stumbles into this structure, and we get this freeze frame cut of Karen's dead face. And it's obvious, like, it's a freeze frame. And we get it, not once, but we get it twice. And it's like, why? Because it's just, it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. It's another thing I thought was like, eh, it wasn't necessary. You gotta find all the bodies, though. You gotta find the bodies, you know? I don't really feel like it was... All these slasher movies have it, you know? I don't feel like it was really necessary, though, to get hers. But if you think about it, going back to everything else, all the other bodies were found, and she yeah. was the only one. And I guess that was like a... a Tying loose ends. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Tying the bow on it. But uh, we end up getting the reveal that our lead male counselor, Todd, was one of the group that caused Cropsey's accident in our flashback at the beginning. Right. See, I read the synopsis of this movie before watching it, mm-hmm. and you know, I was under the impression that he was going to hunt down like all these kids and shit, and that wronged, that, yeah, yeah. wronged him. And I was like, watching this movie, I was just like, shit, none of these kids had anything to do with him getting killed or you know or hurt or anything. Um, they were just at the location. And then finally, at the end, you know, one of them. <laughs> yeah, like we talked about, Weird. starting off. Yeah, his his re- Cropsey's revenge is a little bit misguided yeah. and highly questionable yeah. as far as his <laughs> motives. These kids aren't as bad as what they could be. I mean, no, these are. I, mean, I don't know. Glazer, Eddie, Glazer, Alfred. Alfred needs to go. They're creepy sleazeballs. They yeah, pro- they are. Todd should have probably kicked them out. I'm just saying. Gotcha. <laughs> He's a pushover. 
He was. <laughs> Michelle says after she tells him to kick Alfred out earlier right. in the movie, oh, you're such a pushover. You always mm. try to see the good in everyone. Yeah. But, uh, so... No good in Cropsy. Yeah, right. That's damn sure. But it's interesting. So we find out that Todd was a part of this original group, but he's also the one that tells the campfire story. Yeah. Kind of weird. I like it. You know, because you're there, you... You're pretty much the. You know that the, this story is true. You know loosely. You know, I yeah. he didn't. I don't think he yelled. I will have my revenge or anything like that. Well, no, like, you got a story. You know? it. Right. But you know that'd be badass. You know, to be there from a you know a certain event that happened. You're like, I'm going to make that into a story, and without making it right. specifically about me, I'm going right. to make it a cautionary tale. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought it was interesting. Uh, I guess it's a way to take a you know, it, make light out of the situation. Is it, is it therapy for him? Maybe, maybe. trying to work shit Talking out. Talking shit out, you know. I don't know. Maybe. Okay, Secret so confession. Yeah, right. you know. Got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. Maybe. So we finally get to see at the very end. We get to see Cropsy's face. You know, we get to reveal his makeup. Thumbs up. Thumbs down. Uh, I mean, dude, an awful lot like Jason Voorhees, man. A little bit, way, you know. It is a little more melty. <laughs> yeah, it's very white. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm not a big fan of it. I know Savini didn't have very much time on it. He, yeah, he he's like not a big days. fan of it. No, he doesn't like you know? it. So I, I I'm right there with him. It's okay. It could have been much better though. Yeah. You know? It was Especially shocking. Burning. I know that the, the 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 when they showed the arm and it had fresh burns. Yeah. You know, so take that into account. You know, five years. I guess of that healing. would you know. A burn victim usually is a lot whiter and stuff, you know, after right. you know, Scar the scarring tissue. and everything like that. So I thought it was okay. It's alright. But I see where Savini has his, like, he doesn't really care for it. And like I said, I think it was three days he had to work on it, yeah. and he wasn't pleased with the final product. I mean, it, it reminded me a lot of J- even little Jason from from uh, part one. I know? got you. Yeah. Um, coming out of the lake, you know, you can tell that that the head symmetry and you know shape is there. Yeah. You know, in Cropsy. That's a good point. It really is. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Seems like a little bit of a rip off. It's a stretch of had to work with what he had. You know, he, the company only gave him three days of work on it. Right. You look like you're thinking about something, King. You got something on your mind? Ah, uh, just just that. Yeah, the face is not up to what it should be. Yeah. I, I can see where there could have been some, you know, obviously some improvements on it because, I mean, you know, we know what Savini is capable of. But uh, when I saw the arm, I immediately thought, you know, Toxic Avenger, bad. You know? <laughs> right on. And then when I see the face, not that Toxic Avenger was the right way to go <laughs> with that type of uh, yeah. disaster to your face, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I pictured a little more like that than what it did. Okay. What it actually turned out to be. I mean, it kind of sounds like we're all just kind of neither here nor there with it, kind of just in the middle. I mean, it's totally acceptable. It's not a deal breaker. Yeah. It's right. not. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't. It didn't achieve the satisfaction I expected. I guess. I think if they would have showed it earlier on, I would have been very disappointed by the end of it. To be honest, you know. Sure. Absolutely. Less is better. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Less is more. Now Especially I do. I do like how they kind of like flirted with him like walking behind there's like planks of wood and he's got the flamethrower and you get to see a little glimpses but that was the, cool that was really cool yeah. i did like that yeah. that was a nice tease like oh mm. shit what's this dude look like you know because you still you're remembering what that orderly said you know in the beginning of the movie but what uh, burn victim rocks a flamethrower you know wouldn't you be afraid of fire and shit like well, that. Well, hell, Kane Hodder, he was a burn, big-time burn victim of a stunt, and, I mean, he does ver- burns now. Right. I, I get you, but... I mean, he I mean, may be is, the exception, but... Right, but, I mean, that's Kane Hodder. But this is right. a total, 100%, you know, body burn and shit. Right. I don't know. I, I, if that had happened to me, I would have been staying away from any kind of uh, flamethrowers or... Well, but I could also... No, go ahead, King. You got something. Well, I was just going to say, James Hetfield still walks through the uh, flames at his concerts, and he, oh, he, yeah. he got bit by it pretty hard once. Yeah. Yeah, well, I remember hearing the description of that. Eh, not Cropsy bad. <laughs> right. I don't know, but I could also see him being like, okay, well, this is what hurt me, so now I'm going to use the same thing to hurt you. Yeah. I don't know. I could see where there's that. But how did he know that was him? 
I don't know. I, I don't th- know that loose he, ends. You know. Yeah, I don't know that he did. But <laughs> his it, reasoning for this whole it was cool killing. though. I I like that Todd. He was like, oh shit, this is like, the guy oh, he was one of the kids. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Uh, because like because he, he does say it. earlier like whenever he's talking to Alfred he's like well you give me a reason why I shouldn't kick you out like did you know I got kicked out right. you know and yeah it's it's okay it doesn't really make the movie any better or worse no no but it's just kind of like a oh wow Todd was there yeah okay moving on you know <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but Cropsy ends up getting cheers to the back. From Alfred, he gets an axe to the face from Todd, which actually Tom Savini did that, yeah. which was really cool. That was a cool, yeah. that was a cool effect. It sunk right in, and yeah. then uh, and just basically just spears him right to that wooden post, and I then like he's that set shot. on fire. I it's like a that good shot. shot. Look pretty badass. Interesting. Hell yeah, man. I got you on that. It's a good way to close out. I like the way they ended sure. it. I, I still felt like this is open for a sequel. Sure, absolutely. Like, just like anything we watch nowadays. Right. Well, and they do with the ending, you know. Yeah, the, 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 the story part two. Yeah. Which makes me think Round two. that I think that, that that's one of the other kids from the oh, accident. Oh, Cropsy's accident, I, I see. Do. I really think that's that's another kid. Oh, and, see, that's, that's an what interesting makes take. The thing is, you know, all five of them got together and were like, you know, we could tell okay. a story. Because it's almost verbatim, you know, oh, yeah. how he said it Yeah, in the in the first campfire. Right. No, so I do. I, I think I, I think can that's guarantee the other that one. the the director had some forethought into maybe if there's going to be a sequel, I'll at least give him a right. And that could be the way, you know, like yeah. that's the, another one of the kids, the yeah. next chapter. That makes right. sense. I like that. I, I do. Know. I do like the way they do close it with the, the you know the, the another campfire tale from a future group of counselors. I like that. Yeah, that's badass. Yeah, I like that. That was a good ending. It gives you an idea of what, like, maybe Halloween 1 would have been had they not made any sequels. Okay. The effectiveness yeah. of mm-hmm. leaving an open closure and you don't never get getting a, a, yeah. an answer to it. I got you on that. Yeah. You don't get that very often in cinema. No. And, um, I'm gl- I, I hope they don't remake this. It, it, it's been know. long enough. Right. I don't think they I are. think there's been plenty of other knockoffs. I mean, this is a knockoff, and there's been knockoffs of this knockoff. Yeah. I, I don't think it, it doesn't need to be remade. No. no. It's popular. It's found its audience. You know, it, it, I mean, most horror, especially slasher fans, this is a highly regarded film. You know, and, and, I, it, and it is a prime example of a movie that could have had a sequel and didn't. Right. Right. Yep. Like, maybe this was, like, Friday the 13th's little brother that never did, you know? Yeah, I hear you on that. But as a standalone movie as it is, yeah, this worked. I thought this was a really nice uh, early 80s slasher. Yeah. All right, well, guys, unless you all have anything else you want to add, you want to head into the wrap-ups and ratings? Yeah, I'm good. All right, who wants to go first? For that reason alone, uh, being that it was a movie that didn't have a sequel that very well could have that whole dream you know analogy of a horror movie that stands at that time but didn't you know draw a bunch of extra attention after it I give it a 7 yeah okay for that I mean it is that good but it's it is it is riffing off of Friday the 13th and everything sure slasher that is the 80s yep oh yeah it's Balls deep in it, absolutely. Yeah. And from '81, uh, it, you know, it gave the the green light for other stuff to. Sure, it did. Keep yeah. Going. Oh yeah, because '81 that was the heyday. '81, yeah. '82, yeah, that's when slashers were like every week, multiple mm-hmm. being released. Yeah, it's something cheap, you know. You yep. can make on cheap. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. That's why uh, film companies they love horror yep they crank it out because yeah. it's usually a pretty simple concept you need a yeah. blood or a body count you want to make some gore maybe show a little boobs yep yep, yep. so 7 out of 10 from the yep. king that's where I'm at Good, uh, obviously I would say rewatchability own it oh definitely rewatch um, you know yeah I would own it okay it's definitely it belongs in collection yeah I do own it <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say I'd own it if I wouldn't alright Okay, 7 out of 10 from the king. Mm-hmm. Own it. 
watch it. That shit. Rewatch it. Okay. So, I mean, I'm right there with you. I'm glad this is the first time I ever watched it. You guys introduced me to this movie, and I thank you for it. Um, so many comparisons to Friday 13th. But to be honest, guys, I mean, comparing it to Friday 13th 1, I, I like this movie better than I do Friday 13th. Nice. Interesting. I really do because okay. of the amp... Amp, it's it's so much more amplified yeah. than part one. Now you know the Friday Thirteenth sequels, they start delving into the amp, you know the the more gore, the more creative kills and everything. Where the original Friday Thirteenth, we'll we'll review that some Friday Thirteenth. We'll get there um, sometime. But you know it it was pretty very basic. It was more know? suspense. It was, exactly. So you're um, so you're yeah. saying the burning's this a little has, more self-aware of what it is. Yeah. And okay. It, and it and it, it's not afraid to, you know, show the the more gory. It it just it's just more of that, you know, yeah. that makes the story go on. And there's so much more um, going on with the characters, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, no, I feel where you're coming from. This chronologically. Before the extra sequels of Friday the Thirteenth is a is a perfect substitute as a Friday the Thirteenth. Oh yeah, sequel absolutely. Uh, yeah. Even maybe better. I see where you're at. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to say it's better than like like three or anything like that. Friday Thirteenth Part Three or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I do think it is better than Part One because wow. of just how just basic. Part one is, you know. Yeah. I mean, Jason Voorhees isn't in. I mean, he is, but he's not. Right. It's it's his mom. It's it's. I there's one really cool scene, one cool death in Friday Thirteenth. It's still good. I mean, I, right. I, you know, it's a cult classic. I mean, it's it is classic. But no, I'm mentally this putting is, myself this in. This is amplified to the extreme. Four eighty one, you know. Okay. Um. This See, this kills her. Very creative in this movie. Yeah, I'm mentally putting myself in 1980, 81, and saying, "Yeah, you're." I see where you're coming from on that. Yeah. Oh, I do too. Completely. I think it's interesting. Uh, I I don't know that I've ever really came across anybody that's said I'm, that they liked the burning better in Friday the Thirteenth. Put it in a perspective one. that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, no, well, that's one. what I'm saying. Yeah, part one, not yeah. like yeah, any I still of the sequels. Enjoyed, not but, sure. You know, given that, I mean, I give this a seven point five. Seven point five. Seven point five out of ten. Awesome. Okay. Coming in That's high on a first time watch. First time watch, yes. Yeah. That's so cool, man. Awesome. Awesome. You gave me a new perspective on it, yeah. No, it's a good take, well, man. It's good to get outside view there once in a while. Hell yeah. yeah. I That's dig why it. we do this shit, right, guys. Okay, right. <clears throat> well, the original story for this was written by Brad Gray, Harvey Weinstein, and Tony Malum, the director. And the screenplay was written by Peter Lawrence and Bob and Harvey Weinstein. It was directed by Tony Malum. In France, it was known as Carnage. The reissue title of this was known as Cropsy, and the working title was known as the Cropsy Maniac. And according to the MPAA, it may have been played under the title of Campfire Tales. Hmm. I like the Cropsy Maniac. That is cool. I like that. I'm good with just the burning. I'm good with that, too. You know, I but honestly, I don't have a problem with any of those titles, to be honest with you. I think they all work. I think they're yeah. all effective. But obviously, it's rated R. has a runtime of an hour and 31 minutes. It's released in the U.S. on May 8th, 1981, in Florida on 110 screens with a regional rollout following. It supposedly made $33,000 at three theaters and two drive-ins in the Buffalo, New York area in June of 81. But after uh, four weeks, it fizzled out with a take about $270,500. It was re-released in November of 82, where it fared a lot better and had a take of about $707,700. And it's speculated that the biggest reason for this was there was an oversaturation of the slasher movies at the time. Uh, And And I feel like it's weird because I feel this one stands out above almost all the others, in my opinion. Like I said, this is one of the best examples, arguably the best examples, of a Friday the 13th knockoff. When you're oversaturated, uh, it's hard to put your finger in the air and be like, uh, and filter right through. here, please. <laughs> sure, absolutely. We're, we're the one you want. Right. It made over a million dollars in Japan alone, which is interesting. 
Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. So in Japanese audiences, this movie they was this gold. Movie. They yeah, loved yeah. it. Uh, it was made on an estimated $1.5 million budget, and it is streaming for free with ads on Tubi TV. IMDb has this at a 6.5 out of 10 with a meta score of 42. And listen to these Rotten scores, or Rotten Tomato scores. 86% that's Rotten Tomatoes. Mm, yeah. Okay. Audience score is 61. That's yeah. pretty high. Yeah, you yeah know? it is very high. And, uh, you know, like we said, one of the best examples of early 80s slasher horror, uh, even though it wasn't a completely original idea, but you get some amazing practical special effects from Tom Savini, some of his best work, I think, in my opinion. Uh, the characters aren't completely caricatures of the typical stereotypes we see in the killer in the woods slasher movies, but they do follow suit. Um, you get one of the most epic kill sequences in horror history, in my opinion, with the raft sequence, yep, yes. satisfying kills, a good scenes of tension throughout. I think you can make an argument that Savini's special effects are arguably worth the price of admission for this. Um, when I was watching that scene, it made me think of Django, when uh, Django Unchained, when Leonardo DiCaprio is in there, and he's like. You you had my you had my curiosity. Now you, you have, have my attention. attention. <laughs> That's when I was like, okay. I actually draw back up on the chair and I was like, all right, let's go. Like, right. ain't fucking around, <laughs> right. man. He all is. Right. Relentless. There's a lot. Well, I was thinking. I was like, man. There's a lot more people to kill. This is gonna get amped up real quick. Yeah, here. and it did. <laughs> I mean, he wiped out five. Boom. Lickety split. Honey badger's loose. <laughs> That's the only qualm I think I got about this movie. There's too many survivors. There's too many. Yeah, but there's... I think there's a kill count of 10. Yeah. Right? It could have been 15, It could have... I, I hear... 15, yeah. you know? Yeah, Jason Alexander this, didn't even get a death. Yeah, I'm okay I was watching with for that. that. I'm okay yeah, with that. I liked him too much. I didn't want to see him die. But oh. the MPAA cut this movie, too. I yeah. mean, it, it, it made numerous trips to the editing room, but... Uh, for me personally, I kind of felt like for the longest time, uh, this and what we just reviewed a couple episodes ago, Just Before Dawn, are the best representation of the Killer in the Woods movies from the early 80s. And I was really eager for this rewatch because I wanted to see exactly where the burning fell in line with my thoughts on Just Before Dawn. <laughs> in this moment, I have Just Before Dawn, I believe I have it at a 7.5 out of 10. Mm-hmm. In this moment, I think Just Before Dawn's a little bit better. This is a 7 out of 10 for me, for The Burning. Absolutely own this movie. Hmm. Absolutely watch this movie and absolutely rewatch this movie because it is one of the best. Do you think the acting is better in this movie than Just Before Dawn? I don't because I feel like there's less characters in Just Before Dawn. Well, there is. And Well, yeah, there are. Yeah, there are less characters, but I feel like because there's not as many, I guess, mouths to feed, there's less, I don't know, distraction. You're more focused on just this group alone. I hear you. And I, think- I really like Chris Lemon. I really like Greg Henry and uh, George Kennedy yeah. in that movie. George Alexander. Or, yeah, Jason, George. Jason Alexander alone cannot make up for the... Right now, he but he is good in this, and I, I did I did appreciate his performance. And even though he was a, a meathead, I did like uh, uh, Glazer's performance played by. Uh, yeah, I did too. Uh, well, uh, it's like the easiest kind of role to play. I feel jo- like. Larry Which Joshua. I'm not yeah. saying it's. Yeah, it's yeah I don't think he, I don't think he really had to uh, deviate too much from what it sounds like from nah. <laughs> you know, but. Uh, yeah. So what do you give this at? Seven out of ten. A seven out of ten. Seven out of okay. ten, and absolutely watch this movie, rewatch this movie because it uh, it's a good one. It really yeah, is. It is. It's a fun movie, and uh, like I said, catch it on Tubi TV. Definitely worth a watch. I'm going to get a copy of it eventually. I'm I'm going to secure one. Nice. I love that cover. The, art, the original cover art of that. That's nice. I love that artwork. No, it's it's not even just you know. The cover art—it's an actual legit good slasher. Yeah, it's a worth owning movie. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I own a lot more trash. Now I will say, (laughs) just so you know, for when you go try to find this on Tubi, and King ran into this, I told him that burning was on the burning was on there, and he was like, "Bullshit! No, it's not. It's under a different cover art. Yeah, and it's horrible. It looks like shit. It's it's like a like an orangish yellow with white and black background silhouetted of Cropsy with the hat and the shoe. It, it sucks, mm-hmm. but it is on there, I assure you. King was ready to 
Dude, I, I started typing in burn, like B-U-R-N, I'm like hoping it'll come up. And I'm not seeing it, so I'm like backspace, 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 backspace. The burning, <laughs> you know, I typed the full freaking name in, and I'm still not seeing it. And I'm pulling my phone up, ready to text Matt, like, you're full of shit, man. This is not on Tubi. And then I'm looking at the screen a little closer, and I'm like, yeah, there it is. <laughs> the cover art is shit. It yeah, does not it really represent what I thought the burning nah, was supposed to be. Not, not that original artwork that no. you see that's on the VHS that came out in 81. If I'd have seen a silhouette holding up shears, I would have right. known it was a burning, but right. no, that's not on this TV version. Yep. <laughs> Carry on. All right, well, this concludes our review of The Burning from 1981. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we did discussing it. You can find us on Facebook at Nostalgia Highway Podcasts, so be on the lookout for new announcements, drawings, and updates. You can also email us at nostalgiahighwaypodcasts at gmail.com. We also now have Twitter. So, yep, tweet us. Our username is at Highway NHP. So there's all kinds of ways to get a hold of us. So if you have any ideas for future episodes and older episodes, any questions you have, we'd love to hear from you. And we want to give a huge shout-out and thank you to Cody Jones and Sean Jackson for our closing theme music for the show. So, on behalf of the Lord Ketchum, and Dave King of the Road. I am your host, the Mayor Matt Logson. We thank you so much once again for hitching a ride along with us, and we'll catch you out next time out on the highway. You got anything smart ass to say to me this time, Kevin? Touch the fucking screen. I'm not touching the fucking screen. I'm just going to touch it. <laughs> like to touch Never it. seen anyone want to touch my screen as much as this guy. Oh my god. Just, just touch like, it. Oh. Just get up oh, on it. Oh, I did it. Oh. Right there. It felt it. Mm. What did I do? You probably messed it up. Unreal. Goddamn. Let's do it again. Good night, nerds. Take two. <laughs>